wrapping up a series today, or we call them message themes around here. We are wrapping one up called Red, White, and Who. Look at your neighbor say, Red, White, and Who. Put a big emphasis on the word who right now, okay? This is something that we felt uh, impressed to do as we moved toward uh, Election Day on Tuesday. And uh, we just felt like we wanted to spend several weeks and just talk about, instead of who you need to vote for, instead of uh, what our country's all about, let's talk about who we are as the body of Christ. Who are we? Because if we can figure out who we are, then we're going to know what we can do and what we're supposed to do, right? And so we have spent the last six weeks, we started off in Ephesians chapter 1, and we have gone almost verse by verse all the way through the book of Ephesians. So those of you that love expository preaching, you have loved this message theme because we have gone through the entire book of Ephesians. I've had people say, uh, come to me and say, I've never read through an entire book of the Bible, and I have during this message theme. Man, see how easy that was? Only took you six weeks? Come on, just keep on going. Just, just keep on going. Get into Philippians. Get all these books are incredible. Ephesians, many theologians call this the constitution of the church because Paul really nails down who we are as a church, what we're supposed to do. And so each week we've taken, we've taken a segment of it, and we have talked about uh, what it means to be in the body of Christ, what Jesus Christ's blood has done for us and what it allows us to do. Red, the blood of Jesus, white, he has made us clean and who we are and who we're supposed to be. Before I dive in completely, I want to remind you that uh, Tuesday is election day and uh, I want you to go vote. We're going to be praying for you, all right? We're going to be praying that God gives you direction and I would encourage you on Tuesday morning to be in prayer that God would have his perfect will in this, this election, all right? How many would join with me? And let's just pray. Don't just go vote, but let's pray about it, okay? Pray that God will, God will have his perfect will and, and perfect plan. But also, next week, we're kicking off a brand new series I'm excited about called Bountiful. Everybody say, Bountiful. Bountiful. We're going to be talking about the best, blessed rest of your life. Look at your neighbor and say, the best blessed rest of your life. Now, how many of y'all want to be at that one, huh? Come on. How many could use some best blessings and rest in your life? Yeah. We're going to be talking about that, what it means to enter into the promised land that God has for us. But today, today, red, white, and who? And each week, we have taken a theme. We have subtitled each week. We've talked about uh, Liberty, we've talked about all these different things. We the people. Today, I want to read from Ephesians 6, and we're going to preach on the fact, the right to bear arms. So all you gun crazies just loving this right now. And all y'all that don't know about that, you're like, I don't know about this. Well, just stay with me, all right? Stay with me. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to begin in verse number 10. And Paul says this, I'm reading from the New Living Translation, it'll be on the screens. Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 10, a final word. In other words, what Paul is saying is, let me wrap this up for you, all right? Our one translation says, Paul is saying, I have saved the best for last. 
or get on the edge of your seat, get your notes ready, get your pen ready. I'll tell you that today. Get your device ready because we're going to share some things with you. What Paul is saying, look, all this other stuff has been good, but I want you all to really pay attention to what I'm about to say today. And I would say the same to you this morning. The first five weeks have been good stuff, but this week I really want you to get on the edge of your seat, get your heart ready, get your spirit ready, and pay attention to what the Lord is saying. He says, a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. I love the fact that Paul is saying, be strong. I think we've got enough weak people around us. We've got enough weak Christians that are barely making it. Paul is saying, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. I love how the message says that the message says, God is strong and he wants you to be strong. Look at your neighbor and say, that's a good word for you right now. God is strong, and he wants you to be strong. And then he dives into the meat of it, Ephesians 6 and 11. Put on all of God's armor so that you would be able to stand firm against all the strategies of the devil. Let me stop right there for just a moment. And I want you to understand, Satan is not just evil. Satan has a plan. He's not just mean. How many of y'all know some people mean? Just him's mean. That's a mean person right there. But they're just mean with no plan. They're just mean people. Satan is not just mean and evil. Satan has a plan. That word, the Greek word for strategies that I just read comes from the Greek word methodia, which is where we get our word method, but it refers to craftiness and cunning and deception. So Satan's plan is evil. Satan has a strategy to kill, steal, and destroy. If you ever want to know what Satan's strategy is in your life, that's it. He wants to steal everything you got. He wants to kill everything you ever love. And he wants to destroy you until you, the Bible says, Jesus looked at Peter and he said, Satan wants to sift you like, grind you up. Satan is not going to be happy until there is nothing left of you but dust. And then he wants to blow on that dust until that's all gone. He has a plan. He's not just evil. He's a strategist. And so Paul is saying, I want you to understand this. So I want to, God wants to give us some stuff that, that will help us make it through this. Verse 12 says, For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. We could do an entire message on just that first part. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. One of Satan's greatest weapons is to make you put up our flesh and blood. Get upset at flesh and blood. If he can keep us fighting flesh and blood against flesh and blood, then he's one part of his battle. That's one of his enemy. One of his ways is to get us distracted from what this thing is really all about and take offense at what someone says about us or get an enemy on the other side of the political aisle or the other denomination. Or If we can just get us focused on that, then we forget that that's not where the real battle is. Can I hear an amen from the non-amanners today? So it's just distraction. Get us slightly off focus. 
And the other deception that enemy, the enemy uses is to make us think that there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. If he can get us focused on flesh and blood, and if he can get us to just forget about the fact that there is an enemy out there that wants to destroy us, and not just Satan, but he has all of his little minions and his demons that are, that are after us, wanting to take us down. Y'all listen, I'm hard enough to deal with. Just me. My, when I'm battling me with my weaknesses and my temptations, that would be the time for somebody to say, yeah, I'm with you, Pastor, right there. I'm bad enough, and then you add to the fact that I have an adversary, and that adversary has little minions. It is a spiritual warfare. Look at me. Just because you don't see it doesn't mean it's not happening. Just because the enemy's not posting things on Facebook that you want to disagree with and dislike does not mean that it is not happening. One of the greatest strategies of the devil and one of the greatest dangers of believers is to believe that there's no such thing as spiritual warfare. I think most of us believe it, but most of us don't really think about what's going on. Our fight is against the unseen. 2 Corinthians 10 and 3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Listen, that is what the enemy doesn't want us to get hold of. That right there. Because if we just keep fighting flesh and blood with our flesh and blood weapons, we're never going to tap in to the mighty power that God has placed within us and the weapons he has given us to demolish strongholds. We have an incredibly evil enemy, but God has protection prepared for us. And everybody go, whew. Because it was getting dark for just a minute, right? When I was preaching about spiritual warfare, and you're like, oh, no. Let's talk about the protection that God has for us. Ephesians 6 and 13. Therefore, my daddy was my pastor for many years. And my daddy taught me, when you see a therefore, you see what it's there for, right? Therefore. So he goes down this. So he says, go back. My dad would always say, when you see a therefore, go back to the preceding verse. So Paul has just gone through their spiritual warfare and their stuff going on and the enemy and uh, uh, uh. Therefore, here's what I want you to do. Put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the enemy in the time of evil. Then after the battle, you will still be standing firm. Let me give you a couple of points right here. Number one, put on every piece. Put it all on. That's what verse 11 says. Put it all on. The King James says this. Having done all to stand. Now, the old timers used to preach that message. They go, when you've done everything else to stand. (laughs) When the enemies beat you down, just keep on standing. (laughs) Anybody ever heard that one like that? Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, some of y'all heard that organ in the background just then, too, didn't you? Or a banjo, whatever worked for you. I don't know where you come from. But that's not what that scripture is saying. That scripture is saying, having done everything that I'm about to tell you to do, then you will be able to stand. Some of you have questioned, why is it so hard? 
This week, you've said, why is it so hard? Why, am I, why do I think I'm going to do good and then I fall? Why can't I just keep standing? And it's probably because you just haven't done all. I want to talk today about us doing all, everything, every piece of armor that he has for us, let's put it on. Therefore, put on every piece of God's armor. Come on, y'all, say that with me. Say, God's armor. Y'all, do you understand what that is? That's not armor that he gives to Danny Magnino and says, here you go. Hope this works for you. No, Danny, it's God's armor. It's what God uses. Matter of fact, one translation says it like this. The armor that God wears when he goes to battle. I don't know about y'all, but that's the armor I want to be putting on. Right? Because he's never lost a battle. Well, that's where that organ would come back in right there. He's never lost a battle. He's always victorious. Why? Because he's got the right armor. And he doesn't just have the right armor so he can win the battles. He says, I want to share my armor with you because you and I have the same enemy. I would say that's pretty pretty much proven armor, wouldn't you say? And he says this. He said, I want you to do this so when the battle is over, you'll still be standing firm. We are no match by ourselves. We are no match for the enemy. We just can't do it. But with God... And God's armor, when the battle is done raging, we will still be standing strong. Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. 1 John 4 and 4, he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. Look at your neighbor and say, if I was a preacher, I'd preach that to you right now. Come on, tell them. Say, I would preach. Some of y'all didn't even look at your neighbor, much less say it. Come on, look at your neighbor at 9 o'clock. If I was a preacher, I'd preach that to you right now. Hey, I think sometimes we just need to be reminded of that. What's in me, who is in me, is greater than the ones that's coming against me. Let's move on. Ephesians 6 and 14. Stand your ground, putting on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness. Many, Many translations will call that the breastplate. I like that it says body armor. I like that. It just sounds tough to me. For shoes, put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will be fully prepared. In addition to all these, hold up the shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as your helmet. Take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit at all times and on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. Let's talk about those seven things that he says, I want you to do this to be prepared. Are you all ready? Come on now. This is the final word. Remember, get on the edge of your seat. Let's go. First of all, he says, I want you to take the belt of truth. Now, remember, he's, he's speaking and writing to people that are under Roman rule. And so they had an understanding of Roman government and, and Roman warfare. And the Romans were really good at warfare. They were really good. And so he takes all of these different pieces of the armor and he breaks it down and uses it as an illustration so that the church, the people at Ephesus would understand clearly what he was talking about. So he said, first of all, take the belt of truth. So a Roman soldier would wear a tunic when a tunic was a large square piece of loose material. 
And that's what it was. It was just a square piece, and they would wrap it around them, and it would, it would help them in cold times, and they used it for all manner of things. However, most battle in those days was done hand-to-hand. They didn't have drones back then, you know what I mean? So it was hand-to-hand combat on rough ground. And so because of that, a loose big sheet, a tunic, would get in your way, right? It was not only a hindrance, but it was dangerous as well. And so before battle, the the soldiers would take their belt and strap it on, and then they would gird up and tuck in that, that tunic. So it was tucked in really tight. Everything was in its place. Also, the belt of truth was the first piece of equipment to put on. So they got the tunic on, but before they put on anything else, they would take that belt. And one reason they did this is it showed that they were ready for action. The only time a soldier would take their belt off is when they were off duty. Y'all getting that one? Do I even need to preach that one right there? Okay, we'll just move on then. The belt of just belt that thing up meant, all right, it's time to go to war now. Put on that belt of truth. Another thing about the belt is that it secured all of the other armor. Everything else that we're about to talk about was secured by this belt. The belt of truth symbolizes the truth of God. Not your truth. Not my truth. God's truth. There's a difference in fact and truth. Because how many of you know facts change? Huh? Come on. What you thought caused cancer last week don't cause cancer anymore, but it will cause cancer in another month or so, right? Why? Because the facts say so. The facts change. Things move around, but not truth. And he says, I want you to put on the belt of truth. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ, the way, the and the life. In other words, what Paul is saying, I want you to take Jesus Christ and just put him up, gird everything in him, let everything be wrapped up and everything secure by the belt of truth. And also, it stands out to me that it's the first thing that the soldier would put on. Come on, what if we just got up in the morning and the first thing we reached for was the belt of truth? And the rest of our day, everything that we faced went through that filter. When lies start coming and the enemy starts saying things and the belt of truth just says, no, that don't fit here. Here's what fits here. The body armor or the breastplate of God's righteousness. The breastplate would be worn by a soldier and it was, it was very fitted to them. It was custom made for them. And it covered the vital organs, righteousness, the, the, the breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of God is supposed to be wrapped around our core to protect us, to protect our heart, to protect what is precious to us. Let me tell you how you experience victory. How many want to know how to experience victory today? You experience victory over the devil through the confidence That the righteousness of Jesus Christ covers your heart. Not your righteousness. His righteousness. Him. What he has done for you. The fact that he has counted you 
righteous. Because the enemy is going to do everything he can to come at your heart and to attack your heart. That's why Proverbs says, above everything else, guard your heart. Keep your heart safe. How do you do that? Through the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Not your own righteousness, the righteousness of Jesus Christ. When the enemy comes at you, you go, well, nope, the righteousness of Jesus Christ is protecting my heart at this time right now. And then the way you put that into action is through practical righteousness. So what is practical righteousness? Just obeying the Word of God on a daily basis as best you can. That's practical righteousness, saying the righteousness of God has called me to be righteous in his sight. And now I'm going to do everything I can to walk like a righteous person. I want, I want to clarify this. We don't do good things and obey God's word so that we can be righteous. We do good things and obey God's word because he has already counted us righteous. Many times we think obedience is going to get us in good with God. Obedience is just what good people do. Quit trying to get in good with God. You're already in good with God. Now just act like you're in good with God. And then he says the shoes of the peace of the good news. The shoes that we put on are the peace of the good news. The gospel is meant to bring peace. The fact that you and I were in warfare with heaven. The fact that we were in a battle against God. And Jesus Christ comes. Lives among us. Dies on a cross. Sheds his blood. Buried in a tomb. Resurrects on the third day. Why? To bring us peace. To break down every wall between us and God. That's what the gospel is supposed to do to us. Ah, Peace. It's taken care of. God's done the deal. In other words, he said, when you get ready, I want you to make sure that you're putting on some shoes that will remind you of the peace that the gospel brings. How many would be in agreement that there's nothing worse than uncomfortable shoes? Can I hear an amen? Come on, y'all. Like these right now, right here, right now. I'm telling y'all right now, I got some weird toes. I'm going to tell y'all right now. Not that y'all need a mental image of this, but you know how most people's toes kind of come down like that? My toes go straight across and then drop off, and my little pinky is down here all by itself like this. So our foot doctor says, you got a very large toe box. Thank you. That's a nice way of saying your toes are nasty. And so I literally went on Amazon and bought me shoe stretchers because I can't find shoes. They don't hurt. They, everything, they hurt me, you know. And I get them in. I say, eh, crank them down, crank them down. Y'all, I have stretched these right here. I just stretch, hit them to the car, stretch them. Them toes are still just rubbing up against them right now. But I wanted to wear black shoes today, so I so I am hurting right now. As we talk, my toes are screaming. But how many would just be in agreement? There is nothing like a comfortable pair of shoes. Come on, how many of y'all got that nasty pair that you should have thrown out about six years ago? Raise your hand. But you go put them on; they're stanky, got holes all in them. 
Come on, raise your hand. You know, that's what Paul is saying. You need some shoes that you can just put on. That just go, ah. Like when I get home, first thing coming off is these shoes, and I'm putting on, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting on my North, I got me some big old honking North face, just some North face, big old cushiony things, and I'm going to just prop my feet up on the couch and watch me some football. Ah, the peace of that right there. But also he says that this doesn't just bring peace, but it keeps you prepared. In other words, a good pair of shoes, one, I read this and I wanted to make sure that I quoted it. One writer said, the military successes of both Alexander the Great and Caesar were due in large measure to their armies having good shoes. And being able to undertake long marches at incredible speed over rough terrain. See, the gospel, putting on the peace of the gospel means this. You can go anywhere that God wants you to go. And you're going to be ready to fight. You're going to have secure foothold. The Roman soldiers would take their shoes and they would embed pieces of metal and rock within the leather. Kind of like cleats, you know what I mean? So that they could stand strong and, and stand for The reason many of us slip is because we forget about the gospel and what it has done in our life. But if we can be reminded about the peace that the gospel brings, you're not going to slip as easy. And you're going to get less blisters on your feet. Then he says the shield of faith. Everybody say the shield of faith. Now the shield that Paul would be referring to would be a large shield. And many times it was made out of wood, and then it would be wrapped in a thin piece of metal, or most of the time it was wrapped in leather, thick leather that had been treated with all kind of oils, and so it was supple, and yet it was also strong. And Paul said, I want you to take up the shield of faith. Why? So you can stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Come on, I'm telling you, he is maniacal. That's a big word for a Mississippi boy. The devil doesn't just shoot arrows. He sets them on fire. How mean do you have to be? And what Paul was talking about is during warfare in those days, they would say, look, we don't want to just take one or two guys out. I want to take a whole bunch of y'all out. And so they would take their arrows and they would put material around them and they would dip them in pitch and they would set them on fire. And they would like, you know, many times we see that and we think, well, that's when they're shooting them at the castles and trying to catch the castle on fire, you know. No, they would shoot them at a person on fire. And when it would hit that person, it would explode and fire would go everywhere, catching everything around it on fire. Y'all, that's bad battle was brutal and so they would fight and so the the only weapon that was really the only defense that, a, that the soldiers had was what that big old heavy shield that's the only thing that would stop that and that arrow would hit that shield and if it was metal it would deflect it and if it was leather it would stick into it and it would extinguish that and Paul is saying look The enemy is going to be shooting some fiery arrows at you. First of all, don't be surprised by that. (laughs) I love that. The scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4 says this. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on to test you as though something strange has happened to you. Can you imagine a soldier being in battle and so, what y'all shooting at? 
Why are y'all shooting at me? You are in battle. That's why they're shooting at you. But sometimes we get so, oh, my God, the fiery. It's yes, that's the enemy's job is to take you out. He doesn't like you because you remind him of his greatest defeat. And he wants to take you out. And so he does everything he can. And when he draws back that bow or that arrow, the defense that you and I need to have is that shield of faith. Our faith in God's power. Our faith in God's love for us can extinguish the attack of the enemy. Faith is more than just believing in God. Look at me. Everybody say that with me. Repeat after me. Say, faith is more than me believing in God. I also have to believe that God is good. Not only that God is good, but that God does what is good. And that God will do what he promised. Because the thing that will take us out quicker than anything is when we think that God has forgotten or forsaken us. Or is that God doesn't love us anymore. And that's why Paul said, make sure you got a big old honking shield of faith. And when the enemy pulls back that arrow, you can extinguish it through the faith that God loves you. He cares for you. He has good things for you. And then he said, put on the helmet of salvation. Another weapon that was used in battle was a huge broadsword. And it was this big sword that the soldier would hold with two hands. It was double-edged, and it was three or four feet long. And it had a purpose, and that was to maim. And most of the time, that sword was swung at the head of the enemy. And they would just come in to split skulls and decapitate, and I mean... Well, if you ever want to read something interesting, just get in to start reading the Word of God and start getting into what the Bible is really talking about. You, there's, a, there's enough blood and gore and horror, you wouldn't have to go to another theater, right? He said, they would, the, the theologians say they would swing this, the historians, they would swing it, and many times the only thing that would protect you was this helmet and this big old honking helmet. Many times made out of metal and leather, and they would pad that thing as much as they can. As I read this, I noticed it was interesting to me that Paul relates this to salvation. He said, put on the helmet of salvation because the enemy's blows are directed at our security and our salvation. If he can get us to question that God is good, if he can get us to question that we are saved... Then he's got us. How many have been attacked in your mind this week? What's he after? He wants to get in your head. That's why he said, you need to put on the helmet of salvation that will protect you. Isaiah 26 and 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, whose thoughts are fixed on you. Philippians 4 and 7. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds through Christ Jesus. When you get up and the stress is coming and the enemy is attacking you, you need to just reach over on the nightstand. If you got to do it figuratively, just go ahead and do it. Just let, let your wife say, you crazy, don't matter, baby. <laughs> Putting this thing on and just go ahead and put on that helmet of salvation that says no matter what the enemy does against me today, I know that I have been saved because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Put it on. 
That was that awkward. That was a good point. Not real good, but it's okay. What do we clap? No, that would have been the time right there, the helmet of salvation. Just wanted to point out the awkwardness because it was slightly awkward. But it's all right. We've got another point that we're coming up with. Then he says, I want you to take the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit. Now, the sword here is different than the big broad sword we talked about just a moment ago. The sword here was the most common sword that a Roman soldier would use. And it was anywhere from 6 to 18 inches, depending on, depending on what the soldier wanted. And it was the principal combat weapon in hand-to-hand combat. Instead of using the big sword or the bow and the arrow, the Roman soldier would go to the short, sharp dagger that could be used. And it's, it's, it's been interesting as I was studying through this week to see that the sword had a defensive use. So if you're taking notes, you can write that down. The sword could use, be used defensively, but in reality, it could only be used very directly in defense. In other words, you got the shield that gives broad protection, right? The shield, which is that faith that says, God has saved me. He set me free. I'm believing in him. But when the shield would fall away and the other soldier was coming at you, the enemy was coming, all you had was that sword, and it had to be used deftly. Like you couldn't just broadly. You, you directed it as he goes for your side. You directed away. Isn't it amazing that when Jesus was tempted, that he used exact scripture to shut the enemy up? Turn these stones into bread. Man shall not live by bread alone. Worship me. You're only going to worship God and him alone. What if you and I could be so in love with the word of God that we could learn it and devour it and eat it up. When the enemy comes with an accusation that is directed at a certain point, that you and I would have that exact verse just to parry it. Well, nope, nope. Main reason the sword was used, though, was for offensive, not defensive. Many times I think we kind of use the sword as like a shield, right? The Word of God is a shield. Nope, that's not what the Bible says. No, no, not true. The sword is not used primarily for defense. The sword, that's what faith is for. Stand strong. That's what the helmet's for. The sword is used for offensive. How many of us are in a defensive position all of our life just fighting stuff off, backed in a corner, when in our hand is the sword of the Spirit? Used for us to go and take territory, not just defend our territory. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cutting between the soul and the spirit into the joint and the marrow. Look at me. This is something that I feel and we spoke about it. If y'all missed all in night, you missed it. We had a great night here this past Sunday night at all in night. And I felt like God gave me a message for our church and that message was it's time for us to cross over. It's time for us to begin to step into some new territory. The gospel is not given to us for us to just stand in defense. The gospel has been given to us that we can attack. The Bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail. 
Any of y'all ever seen gates running after somebody? Gates don't do that. Gates are there for protection. As the body of Christ, we are to take the sword of the Spirit and not use it just to defend, but to go on the offensive. Come after the enemy and the stuff. You're not going to take my kids. You're not going to ruin my marriage. And just begin to quote the word of God and watch as you begin to move into places that you never thought possible. The enemy has no defense against the word of God. And then number seven, most people I really have never included this in, but Paul includes it. And he says, the last thing I want you to do is I want you to pray in the spirit. I don't want you just to have the armor and the sword, but I want you to have the power as well. How many of you know that a soldier with the sword and the armor but no energy is not worth anything. He said, I don't want you to get all dressed up and no place to go and no power to go there. I want you to have the armor. I want you to have the sword, but I also want you to have the Holy Spirit. And when he says pray in the Spirit, those words are actually translated pray with the help of or in connection to. Praying in the Spirit does not refer to the words that we're saying. As much as it's talking about how we are praying. We're praying according to the Spirit's leading. We're praying for things that the Spirit is leading us to pray for. Look at this, Romans chapter 8. And the Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. Come on, somebody say, Amen. For example, we don't know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Look, I'm going to tell you right now. A moment ago when I said, I want you all to pray on Tuesday, some of you all are like, oh, no. What do we pray? Maybe you just need to groan a little bit. You know what I mean? Maybe you just need to let the Holy Spirit that is in you, when you don't know what to pray, just get you to a place and go, come on, Holy Spirit, guide me, show me what to pray. That word groaning is translated as travail, as a, as a mom when she gives birth to a baby. The Holy Spirit that is in you wants you to succeed, wants you to have power, and it wants to give birth to that. And it says, and the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will. Look at me. We are in dark days. We are in a spiritual battle. The enemy is after you. And he doesn't just want to mess up your finances. He wants to destroy everything about you. He wants to crush your lineage. He wants to destroy everything you ever worked for. He wants there not to even be a trace of you. Because he wants to try to flaunt that in the face of God. That's why God has given us the armor of God. And the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you this week to wake up every single morning and just go down the list. I hear Kristen pray it every single morning. She goes down the list. Josh Johnson, every time he prays at our house, Josh Johnson will begin to list off the, every one of them. And when you get to the very end, I want you to say, all right, now, Holy Spirit, I want you to come along and empower me. Let's go do great things together this week. Come on, how many of you received this word this morning? Come on, you received this word today? Come on. I want to tell you, the enemy cannot prevail over a believer that is put on the full armor of God 
and is being led into battle by the Spirit of God. All we got to do is put it on. And you know how you put on the armor of God? Just put on Jesus. That's it. But I forgot, was it the helmet of gospel or the what, the salvation of peace or what? what I don't know. Just get up in the morning and go, Jesus, I want to be clothed in you. Just, just so, I want you to be clothed in you. The Bible says that you, you begin to put him on. Remember a couple of weeks ago in Ephesians chapter 4, it says, Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, put on and let the Spirit renew you and put on your new nature, created to be like God, righteous and holy. Come on, just put him on every morning. Just get up and go, Lord, I want this day to be about you. Come on, just wrap me up. Wrap me up. Let me pray for you. Just close your eyes. I'm going to pray for us today.